0: Welcome to the Arena Deckless podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined, as always, by Brian Gottlieb. And first up, some housekeeping, I think. I've been trying to stream on twitch.tv slash deckless. I laid out a schedule for Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, 6 p.m. Eastern. I skipped Wednesday this week because I thought we were going to record a podcast and then turned out that we were just too tired so we postponed it until Thursday, and now I'm still too tired.
1: Why are we so old and sleepy, Gerald? I, I just want to be young and vibrant and full of energy. And instead, it was it was literally like 10 o'clock had rolled around, and we were both just like, I'm very sleepy right now. How about we do this tomorrow?
0: Yeah, I mean, I kind of had reasons where I I had not gotten a lot of sleep the night before, and it was bad sleep, of course, and everything, so... Uh, but then I, I like slept for six hours and then it's just like, you know, four or five hours later, I'm like tired again. So I don't know if I'm in the situation where I'm like trying to catch up on sleep or whatever. I'm just like so exhausted from the last couple of days that I could probably sleep a lot. But I don't know.
1: That That's the thing about getting old is that sleep. Not only do you desperately want it all the time, but it also no longer works. Like whatever it is we're trying to get from these sleeps, we're not waking up with it. And it is just horribly disappointing every time.
0: Yeah, I told a friend of mine that I can't remember the last time I slept for like eight hours in a row. And he was just like, dude, that really sucks. And it's like, I mean, I guess, you know, but I'm just kind of used to it at this point. This is just sort of how I'm living my life. But yeah, apparently that's uh, not really a normal thing.
1: Yeah, the only time I hear a lot of that is, like, new parents, right? They they just stop sleeping as well. I mean, I guess you're a cat dad. That that does ha- come with a lot of the same responsibilities. There's feeding times. Uh, there's random cat temper tantrums. Uh, you know, cats just wanting attention. So all those things line up pretty well.
0: I I guess. It makes more sense in my old place, not necessarily in my new place, because new place, I was like, I'm going to try keeping them out of my bedroom. And,
1: and how has that everything. gone? Have they accepted that?
0: Uh, mostly. I mean, they're certainly not happy about it, and occasionally they'll, like, scratch at the door, like Mew or whatever, and I'll sleep with earplugs or something, so it's it's fine. I feel bad, because they would much rather have access to me, and I know that, you know, but I think that now they're kind of used to it, so it's maybe not the worst thing.
1: But yeah, I I remember the feeling when, like, we had to not let Kai on the bed anymore because he he slept with us for years and years. And then he just couldn't get off and on the bed anymore and would, like, hurt himself leaping off in the middle of the night. So we were like, all right, this has to stop. And just like the dejection as we laid down for the night and he would, like, Face his chin on the foot of the bed and just stare at us for a little while. <laughs> it's so heartbreaking every time.
0: Do you make him like a nice bed on, on oh, the ground he, next? Uh,
1: Jerry, he's the, the most spoiled dog on the planet. When I tell you he yeah, has like okay. four beds for any room he may potentially want to lay in, all very, very nice top of the line dog beds. So wherever he goes, he is comfortable. I promise I, you.
0: Well, that's good. I mean yes. – I, I hope that that is satisfying enough, but I know that he's just like, this is not the same, you know? Yeah.
1: No, he wants on the bed. I, I mean, he, he did eventually reach a point where like he he stopped with the chit on the bed thing, and he just like accepts, like, all right, I I really can't get up there. I shouldn't be trying this. Yeah. So it, it did eventually take hold, but it took a while.
0: All right. Well, aside from that, we get to read text on magic cards.
1: A lot of text, right? That's just like... I mean, it's it's good text. I don't really have any beef with it, but I, even just like having the visual spoiler up on my screen, I'm just like, wow, there's a lot of words on all of these cards. And we just had the wordiest set ever with Kamigawa. I expect this passes Kamigawa by a lot. There's, there's a lot of words here.
0: There's a lot of words, and it's kind of weird because the cards only have one side.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. So maybe we won't pass it because we only have single face cards. But if you go words per face... This is just a clear, clear winner, I think.
0: So far, uh, we're, we're at 209 of 281. So almost at the full set. And I guess the last 80 cards could just be like French Vanillas or whatever. But I doubt it.
1: Yeah, I also doubt it. Because it's not only like the rares that are jamming the words. The, the commons are pretty wordy as well. So.
0: Yeah. So we got a lot of cards to get into. I think that we should, we should just do it, man. Let's go.
1: Word. Let's talk about them.
0: I, I separated them by uh, guild or shard affiliation yeah. as best I could. So I'm going to try and do that and, and keep it kind of consistent. It's a little bit murkier once you get into the monocolored stuff, because it's like, wow, is this actually like a guild card or whatever? So first up, we're going to start with Esper stuff. Not only are there mythic rare uh, crime bosses, but there are also, a, there's a cycle of rares that are legendary creatures. So the Esper one is... Uh, Toulouse, clever conductor, and it is blue HH, where H, one of the H's is Azorius, and one of the H's is Demir. So these cards are pretty interesting in that if you're mono blue, you could just cast this thing. If you're like blue splashing white, you could cast this thing. Blue splashing black, you could cast this thing. Uh, or if you're just straight Esper. So I kind of like this. It's It's like Weird to wrap your head around initially, but I think I like these in general.
1: I think I do too. I'm gonna have to to cast them a few times and like put them in other places, basically like put them in my Demir deck, put them in my Azorius deck before I have a real sense of what this achieves. How, how do you feel about just like, I guess from an aesthetic standpoint, the mana cost? Does it look right to you? Does it does it invoke the the vibe you're supposed to get? I kind of like how like hmm, how do I explain this? The, the core color of the card we're talking about moves on a diagonal across the card. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the the blue symbols on the lower part, then there's the full blue symbol. Then it's on the top part of the demure card. I I, I like that. And it sort of hammers home the point for me. Like this is potentially a monocolored card and captures the flavor a little bit. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with this. It's definitely busy, but it's cool.
0: It's one of those things where you look at it and you're just like, what the hell? But then once, once you think about it and, you figure out all the places it can go into, then you start being more comfortable with it and okay with it. And maybe actually like be encouraging of it. Uh, Have We We haven't seen
1: item. this kind of hybrid distribution before, right?
0: No, we haven't.
1: Okay. I, I was pretty sure of that, but I, you know, there's, there's a lot of magic cards. Also when we say we haven't totally possible that like a commander set did it and yeah. we just didn't know about it. So yeah,
0: that's true. All right. So Toulouse, clever conductor, three, one, Legendary creature, human, rogue. When this enters the battlefield, it connives. Uh, Connive, again, is draw a card, then discard a card. If you discarded a non-land card, put a plus one, plus one counter on this creature. Uh, Whenever you discard one or more cards, exile them from your graveyard. When this dies, put the cards exiled with it into their owner's hand.
1: Large potential payout here. I mean, we have Faithful Mending to just sort of go off with this card, and you cast that at multiples, and like to lose dies, and you pick up... You know, four cards, that's huge, huge output for uh, what will be a decent body. I mean, 4-2 for three mana, you can make that work. I think that there's got to be a greater push. I mean, obviously, when I saw the three blue mana symbols line up, you start thinking about like devotion payoffs and what does it mean if you can really maximize those mana symbols. Nothing like that yet. Don't think we have anything on the schedule as far as we know, but always keeping an eye out for heavy commitments like that. And of course, older formats, it could matter as well. But as it stands right now, I think the dies trigger is what has me a l- little bit off this. It's just going to be really easy to like invest a lot in enabling this card and then never getting the payoff. Now, maybe if you're playing alongside Sacrifice Outlets, you start to get my attention a little bit more. You just consistently are able to cash in on this. Then maybe it becomes something worth building around. As it stands right now, I think this is probably not a big player in the format, but it's an interesting card to me.
0: Yeah, it being a- an overall valuable card to have access to in the format i'm a little skeptical of but generally when you have a lot of options for things that can accrue value they they end up slotting it somewhere Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how i feel about this card and even just we're gonna go through these cards and there's just so many like three and four mana creatures that come with a lot of value attached so yeah maybe that's not the first thing that you want to be doing, but if you need uh, kind of like a whole filler, like you need a three drop or whatever, like there are going to be good options, uh, basically, no matter what sort of color combination you want to play. So I, I like that aspect of it where it's like, well, now it seems like the format is just giving us a bunch of options for playable cards and we can kind of fill our decks out however we want to. And I think that that's valuable,
1: especially given that a lot of the format is already shaped. I mean, if we're talking specifically about standard, it's yeah. shaped by shards already, so now just having all these potential options to slot in as one-ofs, two-ofs. Hopefully that happens. Obviously you run the risk of like one just being better than everything else and closing out a lot of the space. Yep. Uh, don't really see that though with these cards. Like uh, when we talk about the the bosses and these, I don't know if they're underlings or not, but I'll, I'll call them the underlings. They all have their spots. They all are interesting, but none really feels super pushed. So that's a good spot for these to fall.
0: Agreed. Next up, Voidrends. Uh, Esper mana, WB instant. This spell can't be countered. Destroy target, non-land permanence.
1: Finally, a card with a, a break from the text. Just clean, simple, <laughs> doing what it wants to do. What's there to really say about this? It's a little expensive, but it, it always does the job. I feel like, uh, you know, Esper control folks are certainly over the moon about having the super versatile answer. And you'll see it played in... Some number. I don't think it's, like, something you max on. I don't think you just jam four of this as your removal suite, but I expect any kind of, like, Esper deck to be interested in at least one, two, and then maybe the hard, hard control stuff will start to look at three.
0: Yeah, I agree with that assessment. Okay, I was, like, running into an issue where I'm scrolling around trying to figure out where the next card is, because Mythic Spoiler does not have them sorted particularly well. Correct. And I have not memorized like the card names and and what they do. So I wasn't even sure what I was really looking for outside of the card name, but I found it. Excellent. Illuminator Virtuoso. One dub, one one, creature human rogue, double strike. Whenever this becomes the target of a spell you control, it connives.
1: Built in pump on a double strike creature is always worth noting. This can kind of get out of control really quickly. Now this scales with like show of confidence, right? It'll, It'll go off for each target. Is that correct?
0: Oh, uh, it's a spell, right? Not Spells, like that's a copy.
1: a copy. Okay, you're right. So only one trigger there. Okay. There, there's other well, good I, ways to target your creatures, though, in this Yeah, format. but
0: but you're putting a bunch of counters on it, too. So, I mean, right. it, it, it kind of matters just in that regard.
1: Sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there are some other double strike options in this set. There's, like, the Bant Shard thing that has double strike. So mix this up with some good protection, some very cheap cantropy pump, which, like, as we head into an 8-set standard, that's when that stuff is usually at its peak, and I expect it to fall off pretty quickly after that. But as it stands right now, there's probably a lot of redundancy in the type of effects you'd want to use to empower Illuminator Virtuoso. So it would not shock me to see like a double-strike-ish deck just steal an event out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, and there are some pretty decent protection spells in this set, too. That is true. Uh Last up, Scheming Fence. I don't know if this is actually... It doesn't play into, like, any of the mechanics of the guild or whatever. But it's it's a blue and a white card. Uh, so, U-Dub, 2-3, Creature Human Citizen. As this enters the battlefield, you may choose a non-land permanent... Activated abilities of the chosen permanent can't be activated. This thing has all activated abilities of the chosen permanent except for loyalty abilities. You may spend mana as though or mana of any color to activate those abilities.
1: This is is a weird one, like a a really weird one. Do do you have something in particular, like a job you see this doing? Because there's no question this ability is useful. I mean, there's, there's spots where it can be completely game changing. I just don't know exactly like where I'm using this. So I'm curious to hear if you've already narrowed in some homes.
0: So my first thought is that people played things like Phyrexian Revoker way too much. And this thing has slightly better stats and potential upside, but the thing has to be in play already. Mm -hmm. A lot of what Revoker did was... Preemptive. Yeah, preemptive, like shut down your Black Lotus. So even if you draw it, you can't use it or whatever, or engineer explosives or, or whatever. So this thing is certainly more narrow in that regard. But it has better stat lines and I mean is, is a white creature, which also comes with some benefits. And I I could see it doing stuff like they play Land of War Elves, you play this thing, mm. and you know, now you're in a pretty good spot. So I don't know. Things like Winota and Pioneer, are basically like stretching back to older formats, but maybe not going back as far as modern. I think that this could be a potentially viable tool, but I don't know. It, it has upside, it's potentially powerful, and it is. it exists in the camp of cards that were already probably overplayed, so I would expect this to see some play too.
1: Sure. I, I think that this is a card that is going to generate probably more excitement than it deserves. I, I think people are going to see it as like the next Phyrexian Revoker, which you mentioned already like kind of a suspect card. I always felt like I was playing Phyrexian Revoker because I had to, not because I wanted to. Right. So doubling down on that, isn't great, but also that the fact that this has to already have its target in play, that's going to be really tough. I think it's going to kind of doom this card. Really. I, I'm, I'm kind of low on it. I don't think it's going to see a lot of play just because of that factor. It just requires everything to sort of line up perfectly when it does, it'll feel really good. I don't think it's going to happen all that often though. The most intriguing use I've heard thus far is like your Lano or elf scenario. So if you get into a format where that is the focal point, Think back to like older, like 8L formats in standard. In those scenarios, I could see Scheming Fence being a really, really important card. But I don't think we're ever going to go down that road again. So, skeptical here.
0: I am too. But we're talking about because I feel like this is probably a card that people are going to like. and. You know, I, I think it is important to bring up that stuff, even if it's like, hey, you know, your your favorite card from the set might not be as good as you think it is.
1: Right, we gotta crush dreams, too. That's part of our job.
0: Hell yeah. All about crushing dreams. Uh On to Joan's stuff, we have Agnes, the Dragon's Lash. One, RHH, where H is RB or RG. Uh, three, three, legendary creature. Viashino warrior, haste. Whenever a creature you control with haste attacks, create a tapped treasure token. So... Now we're going to have to do scryfall search for creatures with haste.
1: That is very true. But uh, I mean, like, do you? This creature has haste. and It I, does.
0: It's fine on its own.
1: Yeah. And it also is a mono red creature somehow, which you don't really expect as you look at this. So now you have kind of a curve that leads up to many, many treasures. You don't get the immediate Goldspan Dragon thing. I think they've learned from Goldspan Dragon, probably.
0: But again, and, this is good with Goldspan Dragon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Absolutely. In a lot and of different ways. This this is probably a good time to uh, hit this talking point that everyone else is already talking about. A lot of treasures in this set. Just, just treasures all over the place. Everything makes a treasure. Treasures are now tapped and untapped. How do you feel about the wholesale adoption of treasures as just super vanilla in magic and appearing a lot on these cards.
0: I don't like it because, A, for a set like this, I get that you need some fixing, but I worry that just having treasures all over the place means that you're not really sticking to three color and you just go to four or five. And it's also pretty weird that Treasures just make the tension of making your land drops not matter as much. And that's just like a very fundamental part of magic.
1: I agree. I agree. And if there's sort of a criticism, I think has been constant through the last few years of magic. It's that they sort of overcorrect for things that are working and things that probably are are testing good, quite frankly. Like they send out all these surveys and people give their responses and – People, If if Treasures come back as the most popular thing and everyone loves Treasures, then they sort of jam on the pedal and make Treasures all over the place because everyone loves Treasures. But I think sometimes they fail to account that you love these things because they're not everywhere. Right. And when Treasure just becomes like super, it feels like more vanilla than vanilla things, honestly. Like, which is there more of in the set, flying or Treasures?
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: Probably Treasures. Uh, I haven't done the count, but I, I would guess that's the case.
0: I like I like Treasures when it's just like one-shot stuff. It's limited. It's like, you know, Prosperous Innkeeper type of stuff. Even even like Treasure Map, where mm-hmm. you put in this investment and you, you get three at some point. It's like, okay, that's fine. But all of these things that are just like, well, every, every turn you're getting three Treasures from here on out. And it's just like, why are we doing this? It's just kind of yeah. weird.
1: Yeah. And there's like wild. I I don't think we're actually talking about this card as part of our show, but there's like wild, uh, wild spots for the treasures, like this artifact that is five colors green and your lands tap to now produce a treasure as opposed to tapping for mana. So I, I think that like obviously is a card that's slated for the commander space. But again, it's just turning this up to a million. It's like, oh, you like treasures? Here's extra treasures and all your lands are treasures. And now your treasure dice goes up to 100 because you have to keep track of all these treasures. And it's, it's just a lot. And I think discretion is the better part of valor. So I would tone it down a little bit.
0: Yes, I agree with all of that.
1: Okay. Agnes, pretty good card. 3-3, three, three, not huge. I think that the fact that it slots into so many homes, it will benefit from decks that are heavily leaning on treasure synergy. It's okay on its face. 3-3 three, three for fours. I would say not where you want modern rate to be. But if you're scaling up into a bigger late game, I have to make it one preview season without mentioning big red decks because they are worthless and never materialize, but I'm going to do it here. If you want to get to some kind of large payoff in your giant red deck, having redundancy at four and five on the curve is probably a good place.
0: Yep. Agree. All right. Workshop War Chief, 3GG, 5-3, Creature, Rhino, Warrior, Trample, Trample, when this enters the battlefield, you gain three life. When this dies, create a 4-4 green Rhino Warrior creature token. Blitz, 4 GG.
1: We all know the card that we're thinking about here because it calls out really hard. Very I, hard, yeah. I think this is markedly worse than Thragtusk, but there's a lot of space to be much worse than Thragtusk and still be very good. I expect the inconsistency of this card probably relegates it to more of a sideboard option where it'll be very important. You know, and matchups where it's good, it's going to be very good. I don't think it's the ubiquitous card that Thragtusk was, though, just because the the die's trigger is extremely different from a leaves the battlefield trigger, and that was a huge portion of Thragtusk's appeal. So, and when it wasn't doing those type of things, it generally played as a sideboard card, which I think this is a great spot for. It, it's it's good that the you know green white decks, the Naya decks, will have access to Workshop Ortrich should a very aggressive red deck show up. So. A a good card, a solid card, you can't squint hard enough, though, to make this appear to be a Thrag Tusk.
0: Yeah, the funny thing is, too, is that I don't think that Thrag Tusk is very good anymore. Uh, It it doesn't solve problems in the same way that it did before, Mm -hmm. because all the decks are capable of so much more, just like card advantage, generating resources, going over the top, and my experience playing Thrag Tusk alongside more modern magic cards has not gone well. Yeah. So I, I think that it is completely fine to make this callback. And like, there are certainly situations where even this card is stronger than Thrag Tusk, right? Like it has Trample, it has Blitz. Sure, yeah. uh, Makes it a little bit stronger against control decks for for those reasons. And the thing that at least behind is like a little bit bigger You know, and it's like, oh, yeah, this this does look kind of appealing. And I think that people are just going to be pretty disappointed, honestly.
1: Yeah, it it is good. I I don't want to completely downplay. It's like a fine card. It's just it's just not what you think it is. That's all. That's that's good. That's a good place for a card to be. It should be exciting on this text box and then ultimately prove to be very safe. So good.
0: Well, the thing that I don't like is that you bring effectively like this card back with a call out. And then it just ends up being like pretty bad. So just like, what is what is the point to just make all the, the Thragtusk lovers very sad and upset or just to like trick them, you know? It's like, if you're going to do it, do it in a way that like updates it for more modern times and like makes it actually playable. And like, maybe this card will be playable, right? But uh, for the most part, I, I do think it is going to miss and then it is going to be disappointing. And they've also like done this a decent amount of times too. Or mm, I'm just like, that's true. Just just kind of stop doing it.
1: Do you, th- do you think there's value in just, like, the excitement you generate, though? Like, the fact that people go, oh, Thrag Tusk! And then they run to the store and, you know, buy a box?
0: Yes and no. I mean, I, I don't know that, like, the Thrag Tusk card is, like, the thing selling packs. Yeah. And I think that you can shoot for that experience and that emotional reaction while also having the card pay off and instead of just disappointing people.
1: Sure. Fair and enough.
0: I, yeah, I, f- I feel like... Maybe not on purpose, but like have ended up with those cars just being mostly disappointments and it being kind of sad.
1: Yeah, I no, I agree. There's a long history of like call outs of the next this thing. And then it just very much doesn't materialize because basically the thing was the thing because it was flawed. It was too good. right? And if you make the next thing, then you fix it. That it's not the thing anymore. So
0: agreed. Uh, crew supervisor, John mana, BRG, 4-2 haste. Uh, creature Human Warrior. If this enters the battlefield this turn, it has Indestructible.
1: You know, hard for me to uh, find an immediate slot for this, but that's a cool stat line. It pressures Planeswalkers really well, which I think is cool, and then obviously sticks around for some damage. So a very specific deck wants this. I don't know what that deck is. But He's
0: tribal, duh. I-,
1: I guess so, yeah, and there are callouts to that. So if that's what you want to do, you can do it. I think you're just going to probably play more of the good cards, though, than having to lean into the tribal stuff.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I, I don't think that this hits, but it is appealing in that it's like, you know, the, it is almost certainly good for four damage and then it's yep. going to trade with something else. Yeah. So I could see that time and a place, but very similar to uh, the, the thrag test type of stuff. It's just like, that's not really what we're doing anymore.
1: Right, right. Yeah, and, and I think there's other stuff in this set that like calls out this card pretty well. There's like a uh, uncommon that whenever... You attack double target creature's power. That's that's also in Jund uh, at four mana. So that leads me to believe that this is supposed to do more limited stuff than actually matter in Constructed.
0: Yeah. Uh, last Jund card. And again, I don't even know if this is a Jund card, but uh, Fatal Grudge, BR Sorcery. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a non-land permanent. Each opponent chooses a permanent they control that shares a type with the sacrifice permanent and sacrifices it. Draw a card.
1: This is cool. I will point out that the present Rakdos deck has super reliable access to both artifacts and creatures. Basically, at a whim, they're very disposable. You immediately refresh this card. And it, certainly, like if you can time it right in the mirror, it may be very good for controlling opposing anvils, because anvil is, of course, like a, a slower effect. It only triggers at the end of turn. So you might be able to set yourself up where you can get the anvil advantage, which is an important part of those matchups right now. So I expect this card will see play. I think it's a little bit better than it reads on its face. It's sort of like limited, gives your opponent a lot of choices. You have to have all the payoff stuff. But you just have really good engines in the colors that are playing it already. And I expect you'll find good homes for this.
0: I think it's a little bit weaker than that. I, w- I wouldn't be upset if this saw play because this is like the, the kind of card that I would want the Rakdos decks to kind of be built around, but again, I just don't think that that's really where we are. But this is certainly like a, a good version of this effect and a cool version, but just like two mana is a lot, and you know, you you have to sacrifice the right kind of thing. They have to not have a thing to protect it, and it's just like too much stuff.
1: It asks a lot for sure. I don't know why. I mean, this, this is actually a really bad exchange, but for some reason, the exchange that immediately stood out to me was like, oh, I get to make two Obnixilis and then sacrifice my Obnixilis to control Planeswalkers. And sure, That's maybe that does bad. happen. No, maybe it does happen, but also I'm not in the business of wanting to give up my Obnixilis all the time. So it shouldn't be the first thing to come to mind, but it, it was one of the more uh, pressing things when I thought of it. And also, like, that makes the casualty X. You can just throw away your one mana thing and like maybe plus, and then throw away the ob, and you don't feel like you gave up too much to control your opponent's planeswalker. So yep. there, there's windows for it. Yep.
0: Uh, Andania, Ginny Fay, Jetmir second, GHH where H is green red, and then yeah, green red, and then green white. Uh, three three, legendary creature elf druid. If you would create one or more tokens, you may instead create that many two two green cat creature tokens with haste, or that many 3-1 green dog creature tokens with vigilance.
1: So I, I don't care about this card as like a fair card. Just just don't care. I think like if you're doing a good job making tokens, that's good. And doing things like this are generally a trap. And if you want your tokens to be better, you have things like uh, wedding announcement that, or excuse me, wedding invitation that does a better job. So mostly off this is a fair card. But It's weird because it's when you would create one or more tokens, not creature tokens. So what I want to explore is like, how can I just do absurd things and turn them into creatures that also have haste? Like what kind of huge treasure payoffs are there where I just end up with a load of treasures that immediately become creatures? That's way more interesting to me than, oh, I upgraded my tokens a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, like black market tycoon turn two into this thing, you tap it yeah. to make a treasure. And instead you get like a T2 haster or something like that seems uh, solid.
1: It's not bad. Yeah. And I, I think there's probably spots with like, just there's a lot of recurring engines to make tokens where like the value of the token is supposed to be really low. So it's fine, but you start making them into two, two hasters or three ones and they get out of control very quickly. So that's what I'm going to explore. It's, it's less about an upgrade and more about what kind of absurd things can we get up to with this.
0: Yeah. Again, my rule for three mana cards is generally like they need to have some impact and not just like immediately die to a removal spell and give you no value. But yep. this thing can potentially do that with Black Market Tycoon. And there are going to be turns where you get to play this and another card uh, to actually get some value from it. So I think that it it it's sort of lives through the rule that i have uh i mean like plus there's some other stuff where it's like an elf and maybe that matters i don't know yeah Yeah, good point so i i would not be shocked if there was something to do with this card but it's not one of the cards that i'm most excited about
1: yeah i agree with that
0: Fleetfoot dancer one r g dub four four creature elf druid trample lifelink haste
1: Why do I just love the cards with the least words? That's that's just what excites me. Elegance, Uh, man. That's it. Yeah, I I guess it's that simple. The impact here is probably pretty low. I don't know, that, like even even the most aggressive Naya deck, I don't know that this is exactly what they're looking for. But in, in some matchups, it'll be huge. I can see this being a pivot for decks that are more focused on playing a long game where they end up in a matchup where they have to be Sort of the aggressor. Although this is like a real mid-range card. Yeah, putting lifelink on it changes things as well where it yeah. plays very well on defense. So uh, maybe maybe this is just solid. It's a lot about what the metagame is is into. It feels like things are a little bit more unfair at this moment. But once we do rotation, we get to a smaller standard. I think Flea Foot Dancer could just be a, a very good card on its face.
0: Yeah, I mostly like this for lifelink haste. Uh, but like haste trample is also good against planeswalkers, so maybe there's some equity to be made there. But yep. just as as a card that really ensures that you win races, I think is pretty nice. But again, we're we're at the same problem where there's so much at four and five mana that is pretty good competition. So, you know.
1: How- yeah, it's it's also less pure racing and more like engine racing, where did I did I do my thing before you did your thing and and like how wide did my battlefield get more than like oh here's my four four here's your five four which one of us is going to be able to actually close
0: yep agree with that rocco Cabaretti caterer x r g dub three one legendary creature elf druid when this enters the battlefield if you cast it you may search your library for a creature card with mana value x or less put it onto the battlefield then shuffle
1: People lost their mind about this card, like are, yeah. are so over the moon about it. And I don't, I don't get it in the least. I was, I'm hoping either, either you can agree with me. I'll accept that outcome or you can talk me into this mattering a lot. I mean, like the, uh, the thing everyone points to is Dryad Arbor. Yeah. to that. I say, so what? Yep. I it just don't think it matters. And then a bunch of people mentioned Omnath and I'm like, well, yeah, like kind of, but uh, don't you have better things to do? Like, why does this really matter to you?
0: Yeah, I don't really get it either because just everywhere on the curve, it seems like a bad deal. Yeah, and, and not something that you should really be interested in. Getting Dried Arbor is like okay, you you played a three-one Farhaven Elf for Naya mana.
1: You know, yeah, that's not good. That's like you didn't come out ahead on that deal.
0: Yeah, I think Ari brought up like Asmo, and it's like okay, sure, I guess you're you're getting like a little bit more out of that deal. Yeah, but. I don't know, you can still just play like finale and be able to cast Asmo reliably in modern anyway. Plus, you know, it's like one of the worst decks in the format, so who cares?
1: Very true. And I don't think think Rocco does anything to change that. This is is one where I felt like I was missing something when I saw how excited everyone was. Like, I I just didn't get it. But I'm glad to hear either uh, I'm not alone or we're right and everyone else is wrong. Either one of those is good.
0: Yeah, at the very least, you're not alone. Okay, good. Brazen Upstart, Naya Mana, 4-2, Creature, Elf, Shaman, Vigilance. When this dies, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order.
1: Do, do you do this just to torment me and make me think about all the ways I'm going to miss with this card repeatedly? Mm. That's why we bring up all this stuff on every single cast.
0: Okay, so on on the bright side, this even, even if you were guaranteed a hit, it's still not that good.
1: Okay, good. So I won't be tricked into playing it. At least it has the decency to let me know that the deal's not good up front.
0: Yeah. It's so weird too, right? It's like, it's Naya. It's like, okay, you, you search for a creature, but isn't Naya supposed to be like the token generating thing? So for, for Constructed, it's almost certainly like even worse, you know?
1: Yeah, that, that's a good point. And maybe that calls it out as just a, a pure limited card. And that's what it's supposed to be doing here. And it it is... I mean, obviously you can't just have nothing but tokens in the limited format. So this this does hit a little bit better in that space where plenty of creatures are going to be playing creatures with abilities. So I I get it as a limited card. Not really into it as a constructed card.
0: Park Heights Pegasus. G-Dub 2-1 Creature Pegasus. Flying Trample. Whenever this deals combat damage to a player, draw a card if you had two or more creatures enter the battlefield under your control this turn.
1: What a weird card. I mean... In, in its color specifically, I think it's a very weird card. I also don't think it's very good. I think you're just going to be disappointed a lot. 2 1 Flying Trample, that baseline is okay. It's not what Green White does these days. So, like, am I putting this in, you know, the existing Celesnia mid range decks? I don't think so. Although I will say that, well, no, I don't even think that works because all of their, their, Token stuff happens at end of turn, and you're just not reliably putting things into play. So I'm just mostly off this card. The thing I thought of when I was evaluating it was like, how excited would I be about this card if it just drew a card every time it hit? And the answer is I would think it's not bad. Like a solid card, going to see some play, and maybe even like ask the format to change a little bit around it, and you have to play a little bit more removal. But you would do that, and it wouldn't change anything. So the fact that there's additional hoops that you have to jump through to actually turn this on means that I, you know, if some number of this sees play, fine. I don't think it's a really important card in the format or anything.
0: I think this card has a lot of upside, but it mostly hinges on what the new cards are. Because I agree with you, trying to slot this into like older decks how they are built doesn't necessarily work. So. You need to add in some redundancy to the having two things ETB this turn, and but then, even when you
1: even when you do, do you think you're coming out that far ahead on on this creature? Like it's so fragile, dies to absolutely everything. There's still spike field hazard in the format. There's things like uh, yeah, but
0: like what what are you asking from your two drop? You know,
1: well, I think like
0: at least it's a one very toughness. threatening two drop.
1: No, it is. It does have threat, but one toughness is really scary for me when it comes to a two-drop, especially there's like the, the Umazawa saga that some decks are starting to play now, which if this card was important, you'd see that card everywhere, and then it'd just get blown out consistently. So I think it's just like very easy to adapt to. Now, if nobody's accounting for it, then sure, maybe this has a home, but I expect there will be very few holes in the metagame that Park Hyde Spices can actually push through.
0: Look, man, everything is pretty easy to adapt to, right? So, like, let's, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about, like, in a vacuum, just, like, on rate, is this card potentially pretty good? And I, I think that it is decent. I do think that there are a lot of hoops to jump through. But, I don't know, say over the course of turns three through five, maybe you get to trigger this twice if it goes unanswered. Like, that seems pretty damn good to me for a two-drop.
1: I agree Uh, that that would be good output. I just don't believe that's going to happen all that often. And I, I also think like this, this won't get through very often. Like they'll, they'll find ways to control the air. They'll remove it. And it's just very, very rare that this is going to connect, especially given that you have to forecast when the ability is on. Cause I can just ignore this while I'm taking, you know, two damage, two damage, two damage probably doesn't matter all that much in the grand scheme of things. But as soon as I know this is going to get you some value, that's when I can start putting resources and answering it. So
0: I mean, that is true, right? But, like, say I say I do this, and then on... Let, let's even say that I miss on turn three or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then turn four, you pass, and you have your, your mana open for a removal spell. And then I finally play two things, and it's just like, well, okay, now you do want to kill this. But, like, say I just played, like, a thing. And then you decide that this is not worth killing. Is my other thing worth killing? Or are you just, like not doing anything with your mana, you know? Like, you you already had to, like, keep your mana open, too, so, like, that's potentially bad because you're not developing your own board while I'm just maybe going wide. So, it, I don't know. I'm, I don't really buy into that whole scenario, especially since a lot of the removal is, is like, kind of expensive. Uh,
1: that's honestly. a fair point. There There is expensive removal, I, I, and there aren't a lot of spike field hazards being played. Like I said, the Umazawa Saga is starting to show up in more places, so that controls this very well, but... Like,
0: Red, red has the cheap removal, for sure, right? So, obviously, a, a one-toughness thing is not super great, but you're going to have a lot of stuff that needs to get killed anyway. So, I don't really care about that. No, that's fair. I don't know. It, like, give me a way to reliably trigger this on turn three. I'll be pretty happy, because turn four, we have Chariot, which makes it super easy.
1: Okay. Well, that's a good interaction I didn't think of.
0: And then... I obviously you need to fill your deck out with some more ways to like, kind of just make this easy in general. And I, I guess like the, the Naya charm is maybe the thing that you're supposed to do with it, but I just don't even want to put that card in my deck. So
1: Uh, agreed with that.
0: Black market tycoon G G (laughs) R G. God, I'm so tired. (laughs) Uh, two, two creature cat rogue at the beginning of your upkeep. This deals two damage to you for each creature you control tap, create a treasure token. So, uh, two drop two, two, that is effectively a, a mana creature but if you wanted to stack treasures to ramp to like 6 mana or something you can it comes with the cost we talked about the uh potential synergy with stuff like genie fay that's cool but yeah really i don't think that this is much better than just any of the you know paradise druid type of stuff that we've had
1: no, I, I agree with you. And if you're in this, you're probably in it for the treasures. And there's there's reasons to be in it for the treasures, for sure. So I'm, I'm not discounting the possibility of this seeing some play. Even things, you know, like playing it alongside Goldspan Dragon. And this is how you choose to ramp because you know you're getting huge payoff once you have Goldspan Dragon. You don't have to do a lot to make Goldspan Dragon better, but maybe it's just enough little upside. And uh, if you're doing it in conjunction with other treasure stuff, then you could sell me on this card seeing some play.
0: So I went th- I went to the next card. And then I was kind of just like looking around while you were talking, and okay. I, for the first time in my life, I, I saw Cabaret Initiate, which is like this raccoon on a table with like the the broken bottles, just like threatening to stab. Everybody. Have you seen this card?
1: Oh, I I have seen this card. And look, if if nothing else, Wizards has really geared. Their marketing and art style to me personally recently, like I, I do feel like I'm being targeted. Lots of just great squirrels, lots of raccoon action going on. You know, we had our first tanuki spotting. Now we're just going straight raccoons these days. So I feel like someone over there is looking out for me specifically. I do appreciate it, and I I, I don't know if this is what puts me in like the magic art collecting game, but uh, you keep making stuff like this, and you're going to get me eventually. So
0: yeah. Anyway, it made me laugh. On to Grixis, Corpse Appraiser, Grixis mana, 3-3, creature vampire, rogue. When this enters the battlefield, exile up to one target creature card from a graveyard. If a card is put in exile this way, look at the top three cards of your library, then put one of those cards into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. This is still part of like the uncommon cycle. We've talked about a bunch of these at this point, where it's like, you know, the the guild mana for a reasonable body with some card advantage attached. Looks kind of solid, but is mostly going to be a limited thing, I think, and not really for constructed.
1: Yeah, this, this one is more enticing to me just because it's doing like that stupid Grixis thing that entices us all from time to time, where it's like, oh, well, you know, I kind of have a decent body here and I can attack a little bit. And I'll also be able to draw more removal spells and control your graveyard. And you start building this whole narrative in your head around your Grixis pile that's going to justify playing cards like this. It doesn't, though. It only leads to heartbreak. So I, I can't wait for Corpse Appraiser to break my heart. I. Agree with you. It's supposed to be a limited card. We're going to try and make it not a limited card from time to time. We'll all be punished for it.
0: Make Disappear, 1U, Instant, Casualty 1, Counter, Target, Spell, Unless its Controller Pays 2.
1: I mean, like, fine. Whenever you have something like this, you have to pay attention to it. I don't know that this is like a, a game changer as far as these effects go, but... It it does seem like an important card potentially in the format because whenever you get access to these type of counter spells, you you can start building around them, and if you find ways to be more aggressive and leverage them, all the better. So, in- interesting ad here.
0: It's a weird card to have casualty. Like I get it, where you know the the miscalculation type of effect
1: yeah, if goes you scale it up a little bit. Yeah,
0: goes dead very quickly. So having a way to make it not dead is cool. What sort of deck are you playing this card in that you also have random fodder lying around? Or is it just in the context of something like uh, mono blue, you know, you play like all the flying men and whatever curiosities you can get your hands on and stuff like that. You play all the cheap counter spells and maybe that you have a random 1-1 flyer lying around that you don't need.
1: I don't know. Well, you, you see, Gerald, you can sacrifice your corpse appraiser to it and then your next corpse appraiser can banish that corpse appraiser oh draw into another one of these and you're basically rolling at that point
0: oh you're just building your own mystic snake
1: right can't lose
0: got it Aven heart stabber ub one one creature bird assassin flying as long as there are five or more mana values among cards in your graveyard this gets plus two plus two and has death touch when this dies, mill two cards, then draw a card.
1: Hmm. I have nothing to do with this card. I'd, I'd have no idea where I would ever use this. I maybe if I was just like trying to mill myself reliably and was sacrificing this to some kind of payoff, it might appeal to me. I think that the as long as there are five or more mana values is just going to disappoint over and over and over. You need the card to be good. On its face, and we're gonna we're gonna get to it. I, I think we do have one that's good on its face. But if you are playing this with the idea that eventually you're going to get a three three flyer for two mana with Death Touch, er- erase that idea from your head. It's going to happen so so rarely. Your your deck has to be both conscious of it and reach a point in the late game where it actually happens. So I I have no use for this card. Something you want to do with this? You you feel free to tell me about it.
0: This card's tight.
1: Okay tight in a way you you want to play it or you just like the card.
0: Both. Okay. But the thing I will say is that this might end up being like my pet card of the set.
1: That's fine. We all we all have those
0: where I am the only one interested in casting this card. I don't know. I just I obviously like five or more cards with different mana values is tough and then you think about there's the occasional you know, piece of graveyard hate just tacked on to something randomly like graveyard trespasser or lion basher sure. or whatever. And it's like, God, are you kidding me? <laughs> this is just, this is just, you already do so much work. And then it's just like one, one little coffin purge just sets you all the way back. Right. Yeah. Because you're not going to have,
1: you know, five different five mana things in, in your graveyard. It's going to be very challenging.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's nice that it counts lands. So that, that sort of gets you there. Uh, I'm not sure what other sort of self mill cards exist, but I don't know. I kind of like the idea of just like you have this random body dies. Draw a card is generally just pretty good. Obviously you want to get this to the point where it's like a real threat and a thing that can potentially like block and trade up and draw you a card, you know, and that is the dream. I'm jumping through 17 hoops so that on turn seven, I can have a three, three flyer, which
1: yeah, I don't. I don't think you're going to get there most of the time either. I will say you get to block Park Heights Pegasus very effectively. Um, oh, no, yeah. It will still get over for that trample damage. So.
0: Oh. Yeah. That's a damn shame.
1: At least we'll, you traded it that.
0: Yeah, we trade and then we both draw a card. So yeah. it's, it's completely fine. Parody. All right. Tainted Indulgence. You be instant draw two cards, then discard a card unless there are five or more mana values among cards in your graveyard. Busted.
1: Yeah, this is this is the one you can talk me into because I think as just UB draw to discard, you're totally fine with that in a lot of scenarios. But also, you're going to play games where you actually get to the point where Tainted Indulgence is turned on, and then it's one of the best cards in your deck, if not the best card in your deck. And you know, this gives me hope for Demir Control. I think like fairer Demir decks can look into this. It just seems very very solid, kind of in the way. I don't want to go as far as expressive iteration. I don't think it's that good. That's but
0: what I was going to say. It's, it's obviously not that good, but yeah, it, but, like- but it is
1: very important. It's, it's, it can go back to multiple formats. It also does the thing where it's like your discard outlet for your reanimator stuff. It puts whatever you need in your graveyard there. So if you can pull value from your graveyard in some way, you're actually getting extra value from getting that discard. You know, if we're going to try and make lemonade out of lemons. So I just love this card. I think it's very, very good. Maybe my favorite card in the set thus far.
0: All right. I can't control F for cards. So now I'm just going to go to Scryfall, which is probably what I should have done. All right. I just control F for the card on Scryfall and it didn't come up there either. Okay, is this Is this a foreign card? Is that why? Endless Detour is the card I'm looking for. You remember that time I just made up a card? I was like, oh, yes. yeah, this one card seems busted. And then it, it, it turned out it cost like five more Four. Mana yeah. than I thought. <laughs> you thought it
1: cost one. <laughs> Is this an endless detour for our podcast right now?
0: No, it was a, it was a new card. It was a new card. I added this uh, when I was waiting for you to show up. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Bant, instant, the owner of target spell, non-land permanent, or card in a graveyard puts it on top or bottom of their library.
1: I, I'm sorry. Can you do that one more time, just so I can absorb it?
0: Yeah. The owner of Target Spell, non-land permanent, or card in a graveyard puts it on top or bottom of their library.
1: And and the cost on this? It is
0: bant mana for an instant.
1: I I am having a hard time forming an opinion. It it's interesting.
0: It's it's like divide by zero esque. Yeah. It handles stack. It handles permanence. You can reclaim. One of your cards, yeah, yeah, like a long drawn out game, which is card disadvantage, but like, hey, if you, if you need a thing, you got it.
1: it. It kind of vibes with the way games are being played right now, too. I think it like yeah. controls things early, can scale into the late game, you know, where we have these very powerful things that we're often trying to get to to set up our engines. This card gets you there. I wish I had some more time to think about this one. So maybe I could come back with like some specific uses, but. Bant is always a hard sell for me. I think Bant traps us into a lot of very bad decks. But what we're really talking about here is like Selesnya Splash Blue or something like that, which is already a proven deck, completely fine. Getting this as another option for that deck uh, immediately sounds interesting to me. So uh, I'm kind of into this.
0: Okay, so go to Mythic Spoiler and go to the new cards because we have another new oh, wordy Bant card.
1: Newest spoilers. I am there.
0: This This one went up. While we were recording. So this this is breaking news right here, buddy.
1: I make uh, the breaking news song. I don't know
0: what that is. Uh, Rigo, that's, like
1: the, that's the, what do they call them? Telegraph machine. When there would be breaking news. I don't know. I'm I'm not even this old. I don't know why I'm trying to make this argument. But that's the noise they used to make in like movies and stuff when there was breaking news.
0: Rigo, Streetwise Mentor. Dub HH where H is uh, green or white or white or blue. 2-2, two, two, Legendary Creature Cat Citizen. This enters the battlefield with a shield counter on it. Any card with a shield counter has my attention. Uh, whenever you attack a player or Planeswalker with one or more creatures with power one or less, draw a card.
1: Hmm. This sounds pretty good to me.
0: Yeah, this, this card's dope as hell.
1: Yeah, this plays really well with what, again, Selesnia is doing. A way to get blue, pay off into your deck again, maybe smooth out your mana a little bit for Rigo. We're doing a lot with our tokens already in these colors. Yeah, I, I like this one. Uh, stays on the battlefield for multiple turns. You're going to get a lot of value from it. And it gets value on the turn it comes into play. It's not going to die when it comes into play. So if the, unless they want to kill all of your one power stuff. That's fine, too. Yeah, you're completely fine with that. And then there's they're short on the double removal spell they're going to need for Rego. This card seems strong to me.
0: Uh, Jasper Sentinel, too, is very nice. Sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, Shadow of Mortality. Now I'm looking for that one.
1: (laughs) Now this one I know.
0: Oh, yeah. I should know by the name, right? Uh, 13 BB77 creature avatar. If your life total is less than your starting life total, this spell costs X less to cast, where X is the difference. I know that people are excited about this, and I am a Death Shadow enthusiast, but this is not the same thing
1: no no it's it's not very good it's It's not very good at all. I don't think our second attempt at fixing a kind of iconic card in this set look at least it scales right where like you don't need to achieve the thing to start to benefit from it. There's something to be said for like a four mana seven seven, but not much sure like, they really. Work. Yeah, and, and there really isn't much to be said for it. And even when you actually do the thing, you play this as a two-mana 7-7. Seven, seven. I'm not here to say two-mana seven sevens aren't good. That's not my case. It's just they won't change very many games, quite frankly. Even on turn two, they may not change that many games. Like we saw a three-mana 7-6 back in the day. That was like a solid card, but not game-breaking. So all the hoops you have to jump through to get this card to actually be cheap. And then what you're left with is just vanilla seven, seven. I, I don't see it. I don't see any use for this.
0: This is kind of like a gourmet angler. If you're interested in doing the punch myself in the face stuff, like that's kind of how it's going to play out. It's like, maybe you get this down on turn three, but it's probably going to be like turn four or something. The best case scenario I can see for this is in a format like historic where shadow is legal and there is some amount of support for it, but it's just like not good enough because it doesn't have things like Tarmogoyf to back it up. It's like, well, so okay. you're looking
1: for re- redundant shadows.
0: Yeah. So now you kind of have it. But in the case of modern or whatever, just like just every other card is better than this.
1: Yeah, I'm I think I'm actually more excited by the converted mana cost of this card. And I want to know, like, what I can do with a 15 mana card. In my deck, and there's there's probably better uses for that than this actually being cast. And maybe it's uses where you do use both sides of it, right? Where yeah. you're happy to have it be a 15 mana card, and then also you're playing a seven seven from time to time.
0: Yeah, I could see that. That'd be cool. Shakedown heavy two B six four creature ogre warrior menace. Whenever this attacks, defending player may have you draw a card. If they do, untap this and remove it from combat.
1: Uh, Punisher mechanic. Punisher's so. bad. Punisher's bad, but you you get a lot of stats here. Also, this card is decent on defense. Yep. Trades very well. Almost impossible to get good blocks and not give up a lot of stuff. So they sort of have to give you the card, I think, in a lot of scenarios. Like, that's just going to be their best outcome most times. uh, Unless, you know, they have a life total edge and they don't care about taking the six damage. And then this card becomes kind of useless. So... I I think that this is better than most Punisher cards. It still has all the same flaws, but you could talk me into like post sideboard games where this could be a very important piece of your strategy.
0: Yeah, the the thing that I do like about this is that it untaps, then you can block with it.
1: Yep, that's cool.
0: So even there are a lot of instances, especially in in standard, right? Where it's like, they don't want to get hit by a six, four menace. So they're going to have to untap it. And then that means that you're also like turtled up for the turn. So... Yeah, it is Punisher mechanic, but maybe it's not all downside. But I also feel like we could probably just do better than this.
1: Yeah, the four toughness breakpoint is problematic too, because the world where this is a good card sort of involves, I would say, like magic from 10 years ago, where it's just like, here's my threat, and it tends to be like a decent body, like a a siege type body. Uh, Just all the decent bodies, though, that we're seeing in this format, if things were to go that way, say post-rotation, They have four power. Right. So I don't think this is actually blocking anything all that effectively.
0: Yeah, you're probably getting a card and trading. Yep. Uh, Cemetery Tampering, 2B Enchantment, Hideaway 5. When this enchantment enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library. Exile one face down, then put the rest on the bottom in a random order. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may mill three cards. Then if there are 20 or more cards in your graveyard, you may play the exiled card without paying its mana cost. So you need to have things that are worth hitting off this you need to yep. hit and then you need to put 20 cards in your graveyard, which is a lot, but it's a lot. This, this does help. And I'm not super excited about putting this in my even heart stabber deck, but there will be, there'll be one of that deck that I build. I'm sure.
1: Oh, I, I am sorry for the wild cards that will be consumed by that deck.
0: Nah, dude, I'm I'm not playing arena anymore.
1: Just done? That's it?
0: I think I'm just done. I think that's yeah. the easiest way.
1: Yeah, that's that's where I'm falling as well. And just, you know, talk to our friends over our Card Hoarder, get some standard cards. And even if I have to wait a little bit longer in a queue, that's that's acceptable to me anymore. So, agree with you there. This is a fun card. I don't think it's all that great. I like recursive mill engines. Those always get me very excited. And if I can build around it, I'm, I'm into it. I don't think there's the tools to build around it now. But, you know, this could be an important part of a plan in the future. If we do have really heavy self mill support, some huge payoffs for getting stuff into the graveyard, I could see cemetery tampering be more important at that point.
0: Yeah. It's cool that it's an enabler, but also a payoff. Whereas normally you have to work pretty hard to mill yourself. And this, this mills you actually pretty hard. And then it it does. does You have
1: to wait a turn, which is unfortunate. Uh, I, I wish we could get immediate payoff, but at least it's beginning of your upkeep. And then, you know, you can play your turn with those fresh cards. So. Right.
0: Uh, extraction specialist Two dub three, two creature, human rogue lifelink. When this enters the battlefield, return target creature with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature can't attack or block for as long as you control extraction specialist.
1: It's pretty good. There's, there's a lot of good, like two mana options that you're pretty happy to not have attack or block. Uh, you know, there's things like prosperous innkeeper, there's Thalia. So, I I think it's just a question of, like, does the 3-2 lifelink body matter all that much? Gets brick walled by a lot. I think it will not be a very effective attacker. But if we're in the business of, like, making our stuff bigger, which some of our stuff does do, uh, you know, you start talking about a 4-3 lifelink body, then I'm getting interested. And I could see this either being an important part of these decks kind of building a little redundancy into like their key creatures or just being a value creature that you see one or two copies of and you know, they used to buy back an important card. There's also the white enchantment creature that like draws a card. So there's, there's ways to turn this into a lot of stuff and it's the type of card I like, and it's at a very medium power level. I would say.
0: Yes. Agreed. I wish that this effect was a little bit stronger, but I don't know. It, 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 it's just a three mana value card in a sea of three mana value cards. So yep. again, I like having the option and it gives you things to think about when building decks and whatnot, but it's also just like, eh, I think this just falls short.
1: Yeah. It's hard to win when like you're contrasting this against like Paulo and I, you know, it's always going to get the nut three, one evasive <laughs> mess. with your opponent's plans is usually going to be much better than this conditional three mana, get a little bit of value. Maybe when a race that, isn't happening all that often in present standards
0: right uh professional facebreaker two r two three creature human warrior menace whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player create a treasure token and you can sacrifice a treasure to exile the top card of your library you may play that card this turn
1: good treasure payoff here uh an immediate benefit from this coming down i i'm not crazy about the stat line but we keep talking about all these theoretical treasure decks. This is a way to go three, four, five up the curve with treasure payouts all the way and sort of go off if you start doing your, you know, gold spanny dragon top end. Again, once you have a gold span dragon, you usually don't need much help, but you're gonna get it if you're a professional face breaker. So I buy it. I, I wanna at least build the deck. I think it's probably this set's big red deck and not all that impressive, but it, it's cool how well these cards all synergize together.
0: Agreed. Unlucky Witness, R1-1, Creature, Human, Citizen. When this dies, exile the top two cards of your library until your next end step. You may play one of those cards.
1: Yeah, Getting deep, these effects are generally pretty good. Sack Fodder is, always has my attention. Even if it's not good, I'll be tricked into playing it at some point. But this seems solid to me, and I expect uh, any deck that's looking for fodder will have to pay attention to Unlucky Witness.
0: It's also weird that... It's just a red one drop with value, right? Like, this seems
1: like maybe the first one. Maybe. Uh In terms of just, like, repaying you a card, it's definitely uh, very unique in that aspect.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I like it just for that aspect. Obviously, there aren't a ton of decks that could have taken advantage of that. But, like, even the Recto Sacrifice, for example, it's like, oh, this isn't that bad.
1: Yeah. Yeah, especially in scenarios where like you were getting paid extra for having these sacrificial bodies around, you know, even even just this combo with Deadly Dispute is going to be something worth looking at, I think.
0: So Thievery, two R enchantment, hideaway five. Whenever you cast a multicolored spell, create a treasure token. Then you may pay Wuburg. If you do, you may play the exiled card without paying its mana cost.
1: Is is this what we're doing on our top end of our treasure deck?
0: I don't know. Uh, I think just as a treasure generator, this is probably pretty fine. Assuming, you know, your three color, all gold cards or whatever. Yeah. Uh, And then it's just like, I don't know. Do you like paying five mana to play the card is maybe going to be pretty easy if you have a bunch of treasures. But it still seems like a pretty steep cost to, to cast the hideaway thing.
1: Yeah, what do you like are you cheating at that point? Probably not. Like I I don't think you would build your deck in a fashion where that becomes a cheat, so it just becomes a card draw spell sort of, and then it's just a question of how many treasure payoffs you're getting. I think like the build requirement is a little restrictive here, especially given some of the other treasure stuff we've seen that is just mono-red and and goldspan dragon. Again, I don't know why we're talking so much about goldspan dragon in this street show, but it has been important with all the treasure stuff. So, uh, I think the deck construction doesn't really build this out, but maybe post-rotation where a Goldspan Dragon is less of an influencer on the archetype. This will be yeah. an important part of doing treasure stuff.
0: Uh, finally, Luxior, Giada's Gift, legendary artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one plus one for each counter on it. Equipped permanent isn't a Planeswalker and is a creature in addition to its other types. Uh, and then you can equip a Planeswalker for one mana or equip a creature for three mana. So this and black market tycoon were the two cards I was asked about the most last time I streamed. And it wasn't like each person asked about them once. It was like, I had four different people ask me about each of them and no one else asked about any other card.
1: That is, that is wild. Uh, because I don't have anything I want to do with it. I like, I think it's cool. I think it's a neat design, but it doesn't scream to me like, Oh, build a deck around me or insert this in existing deck.
0: The, the, that's basically where I was. Where I was like, I'm pretty sure there are things to do with this. I just haven't looked into it. And yeah. people just kept like rattling off these ridiculous combos. Where I, I
1: would love to hear them.
0: Okay, so this plus devoted druid is infinite. Okay. And this is the thing that you can get off a Saga. So it's like now you have a backup plan. You're devoted. Druid, oh, okay. I, think, plan, cool.
1: I would have never thought of this. Right. So you have already changed my opinion to some extent.
0: Uh, the other, the other thing is like you equip Sahili. Okay. And then you Sahili, your Sahili or something. I don't know. Does that even work? Equip
1: equip Sahili. Sahili. Because then you can. Because
0: now Sahili is a creature and then you can copy it. But then you're making another legendary Sahili, right?
1: Right. So what happens at that point?
0: Because the new one is still not a creature. I don't know. They're they're saying something about Sahili, but I don't know exactly what happens.
1: Okay. So we're not trying to like just make a good planeswalker creature. We're trying to do degenerate stuff. Yeah, in in modern, by the way. Although I guess like the Sahili stuff goes to Pioneer if it works. No, Sahili's banned in Pioneer, right? Or is Guardian banned?
0: I think Sahili's banned.
1: Okay, one one of these two is banned. I know. So just looking for degenerate combos. I will just own that I don't know them. If if there's something enticing, I'm not familiar with it yet. The devoted druid stuff sounds like. There's already ways to do that. Putting it with Urza Saga is nice, for sure. A lot of consistency imbued there, but you're still paying three to equip your devoted druid at sorcery speed. You need your devoted druid to survive. So generally, if you're in that position, you have ways to benefit from keeping a devoted druid around anyway. Uh, Also, it doesn't feel like you're breaking speed records for modern. It's just like fine in terms of how fast you're able to do this thing. So... I'm not sold, but I am I am interested and surprised by what people are doing with it.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like there was some other stuff too that I forgot because it sounded like nonsense. And a lot of this was, oh, like, look at this three-card combo with three cards that are all pretty bad on their own. And it's just like, well, I'm not super interested in any part of that. Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah. You know, people get real excited about this stuff in modern. Like, that's, that's the way it works is they find these combos and then all the discourse moves around them. I mean just last week we were talking about Vivian a lot as far as its modern potential. And I I think that's already died down to some extent. You know, maybe somebody will prove that works and it'll come back at some point. But the thing is like all of this already exists in modern. You can you can do all these things. You can win games on turn 1 quite frankly if that's what you want to devote your deck to and there's plenty of two card combos that win, there's plenty of three card combos that win. So you really have to add something new to the equation, or your cards just have to be good on their face. Luxior is not good on its face and doesn't add anything new to the equation that I've seen thus far. I could be wrong because I didn't see anything until we had this discussion. But just like Devoted Druid is is not selling this card to me.
0: No, I mean, I like the fact that, you know, you just play one, you play Saga and I don't know, some Mishra's Baubles or whatever And now you kind of have like a backup plan or whatever, but that just means that you need like a Druid in play. And I don't know. It does add redundancy, but I don't think the deck really needed that, right? It was like, you need to be able to keep your stuff in play. Yes. And that is the problem.
1: Yes. If this combos with another card in the deck, like besides Druid, then you might start getting my interest. That is that is the type of thing that changes things where you are building redundancy into it. But if you have a live Druid, your problem was not finding ways to go off with it.
0: Yep. Agreed. This round of previews, not too bad. Definitely some stuff to think about deck building wise, which is cool. Yep. Yep. I don't think all of my needs and wants have been satiated. So hopefully the last 80 cards or so are pretty good, or at least, you know, like three of them do very specific things that I want, but not holding my breath. But even still, I think that this is pretty solid.
1: I, I also think it's solid, and m- more than anything, I see a lot of potential in some of these cards post-rotation.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true, too.
1: And that is that is fine for 8th set, because there's also good, powerful cards now. So if, if a lot of them have to wait, that's acceptable, because you've given me enough to sort of shake up the format. I, I think we're probably going to play a format that looks pretty similar to the one we're playing now, as far as standard goes, with some upgrades, and meaningful upgrades for decks. Things like Obnixilus are very good. Uh, you know, we we talked ourselves into Vivian as we were discussing that card last set. So there, there's good upgrades here for sure. Good removal spells, I think, worth keeping track of. But I don't think the format completely flips overnight, which is fine. That's that's a fine place for the eighth set to be. So uh, I think last week I gave this set a 7 out of 10. I'm still at 7 out of 10. Nothing has changed in my assessment.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm basically in the same spot. Uh, Triomes also help a lot, yep. which is cool. And the, the good part about this is like, even if the set is kind of weak and we start entering into organized play and playing a little bit more standard, it's like, well, the last format didn't really get fleshed out anyway.
1: Yeah. So fair.
0: there's still a decent amount to discover still with Kamigawa.
1: I think you're exactly right. And I, I think also when we do finally get our rotation, the air the we're putting into the format at that point is substantial. So much of it relates to Goldspan Dragon, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, e- even though that card isn't necessarily dominating the format right now, it's it's in the top tiers, but it's not all about Goldspan Dragon. But it just closes off a lot of other options in deck building. And I think I'm looking forward to that card going. I think we get a Sika's Chariot rotating at that point, right? We're not doing another full year of a Sika's Chariot?
0: Uh, Question I mean, mark. They're in the same set, right?
1: Yes. Okay, so, so we're safe there, um, which is is fine by me. Although again, not a card that's necessarily dominating the format. I just think you're instilling some air and some other options into the game at that point. And I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. Just make it so deck lists don't necessarily start with like, well, my four drop is four of this. Yeah. Make it so, you know, I want to play like three of this, two of this, two of this other thing.
1: Right. Yeah. The world where these options matter is, is very exciting. And that's sort of what I see in this set. All these cards are, I wouldn't say like replacement level, but they all have their own niches that they're supposed to fill. And I want to want to be able to choose between them for what I need.
0: Same. And I think we'll be able to do that. Cool. Game.
1: Good luck.